In this perspective series, you will see how the book of Nehemiah shows that you are uniquely needed. We're starting a series looking together through Nehemiah, and today we're going to look at Nehemiah 1. And so it starts off where we find that this guy Nehemiah has some men that come and visit him, and he asks them about the Jewish people left, the remnant um, that are in exile. And they sort of tell him basically actually the walls of Jerusalem are in ruin. Actually, people are in quite a bad way. Um, and Nehemiah is heartbroken and he weeps and he fasts. And then the majority of chapter one is this prayer of Nehemiah. And then right at the end, we discover that his position is he's cupbearer to the king. And so this is the, the kind of the story of what we learn about Nehemiah in, in chapter one. Now, one of the things that we often talk about um, in the foundry is that the daily experience for Christians should be to know what God's calling them to do, to hear his voice and to know what your Father in heaven is wanting you to do, minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour, week by week. And we have these verses, sort of like John 10, 27, where it says, My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Or Ephesians 1.17, which says, I keep asking the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. And we say like all these scriptures point to this manner of life that is um, entirely and unceasingly God-focused, um, looking at the way Jesus lived, pointing to God and saying, God, what is it you want me to do? Um, and his desire is that his children would know him better and learn to delight in him and to follow in him day by day. And see, this is how Jesus lived. Jesus lived with his daily expectation of hearing his father speak and knowing what his father wanted him to do. You see, in John 4, 34, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of my father, of him who sent me, and to finish his work. And then in 1 John 2, 6, it says, Whoever claims to live in him must do live or must do as Jesus did. And see, this is part of what we, we believe in the foundry. God is calling us all into is this, this life, daily life of hearing our Father's voice, knowing what he's calling us to do and going and doing it. And this is, this is part of what the life is meant to be like living as a Christian. But it's not always our experience. And, and I know at different times some people I have chatted to or um, I've talked to have, have been frustrated by this. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pursue God's voice. I'm trying to hear what he's saying to me. Um, but I, I don't feel I can hear them or I don't know. And this is why I love the book of Nehemiah and the way that Nehemiah starts. Because although that is the, the path we're meant to be on of daily hearing God's voice, the whole story of Nehemiah, the whole story of the rebuilding of the walls starts with Nehemiah just being the person that God has made him to be. It doesn't start with this kind of like call of God and God said this or God said that. No, no it just starts off with Nehemiah being the man that God has made him to be. Uniquely, he's brokenhearted. He hears about the situation in the, with the wall of Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant, the exile of these people that are living there. And his heart breaks for that situation. And everything else that follows in the book of Nehemiah starts with someone caring enough to ask about others and then his heart just breaks when he hears about the pain and the suffering and the situation that they're in. And some of it is uh, uh, godly. They're like, this is the people of God and this is the situation that they're in. And actually, um, a friend and I were chatting today just about actually how 
there's so many people we know who are suffering or or there's so many Christians or just people in the world that are struck by sickness and there's just like this indignation of these are God's people and actually the the way that we're meant to live is different we're meant to be overcomers for some of these things and this is how Nehemiah starts and it's beautiful because although we're called to daily hear God's voice and know what he's calling us to do everything that follows in Nehemiah starts by him just being broken-hearted and caring compassionately for the people around him now there's this psychological principle called the bystander effect which basically means that the presence of other people seeing the same thing tends to inhibit or prevent people from taking action um, the idea being that you know like all of us might see something happening in the street but because we kind of disperse responsibility because there are other people seeing it and they're not doing anything about it and so we're all kind of just waiting for someone else to take action but see Nehemiah doesn't do that his heart's broken about the situation now. There are people living, there, the remnant are living there. He's asking these group of guys, like, what's going on? And they, they know to tell him about it. There are other people that know the situation and the circumstance and what's going on. But Nehemiah is uniquely moved and doesn't suffer from this bystander effect. And it's the first thing that I, I want to sort of impress home from Nehemiah 1 is there are things that will uniquely move your heart. Your heart is unique, curated and made uniquely by God. There are things that you're going to care passionately about, that you're going to be incensed about, that you're going to say, actually, this isn't right, or something needs to change, or someone needs to do something. And my encouragement to us when we're in that situation is not to suffer from this bystander effect and say, well, well other people know what's going on and they're not angry or they don't seem incensed about this or they don't seem upset about this. No, 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 you might be uniquely moved by something and don't let anyone else's inaction or comfort or acceptance of a situation, whether that's other Christians or the world or anyone else, prevent you from going and being passionately active about the thing that maybe God has uniquely curated your heart to care about and take action about. You need to respond to the unique call in your heart of how God has made you and not let anyone else's inaction prevent you from doing what God has made you and called you to do. So what happens with Nehemiah? Now, Nehemiah is smart. He also actually shifts responsibility to God. You see in his prayer in verses 8 and 10, he sort of says, actually, well, a second, here's what you said, God, and these are your servants, your people. And again, there's wisdom for us to do that. God will move our heart about things. Nehemiah's response is they're brokenhearted. He fasts, but he prays and says, God, you... These are your people. This is something you have responsibility for, God. But again, he doesn't fall into that bystander effect of saying, God, you go and do something. He still, we see by the end of chapter one, is uniquely not only having his heart move, but looking at his hands and the place that God has placed them to say, I can go and do something about this. I see Nehemiah's focus turns to action. And so we see he ends, it says, grant favour to me in the presence of this man, which we know obviously is the king. Because we know now, uh, just at the end, that Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. So you're absolutely unique. Your heart will be uniquely moved by things. God has made your heart uniquely and curated your experience. And uh, a friend of mine I was chatting to on, on um, text the other day just saying, actually, God has made you to feel things really deeply. And I, I get that might feel like a curse at some time, but actually that's god's design and plan and intention for you and your life and how he wants you to operate 
See, God has given you experience and skills and relationships as per his design and plans for your life. You're uniquely placed with your family, your relationships, your work, the community around you, the street, the commute that you take to wherever you go. And all of that means we need to know that not only does God want a unique relationship with us, but he has unique plans or things that he wants to do with you on this earth while you are alive. And if you're alive and breathing, then it's because God has incredible potential for what he wants to do with you together. So again, those verses, John 4, 34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And it says then in 1 John, whoever claims to be in him must live as Jesus did. See, the call is to live our lives as Jesus did, doing the will of God who created us for his purposes. And there is this expectation that we should be able to hear his voice and know what he's calling us to do. But he has also given you a unique heart and uniquely placed you and your hands so that while other people might suffer this bystander effect or paralysis of what's going on around them, God has positioned you to step up uniquely to things that are going to stir your heart for what God has called you to. It's how Nehemiah starts. Go and read it. You can see the beauty of it. But God will speak to you and it's actually, no, no, I've uniquely made you and placed you and your heart is stirred by this thing more than other people. Brilliant. That's, that's how I've made you. That's what I've got for you. And I want to do something with that situation, with you, together. Now, we then need to go on to Nehemiah 2, which we'll go on to look at later, because you see that um, not only has um, God uniquely curated Nehemiah's heart and positioned him, just like he has with you, but Nehemiah 2 teaches us about how to live with what I call a surrounding God, a God that is before us and behind us and all around us, and is already equipping us for all that he is calling us to do.